Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. I must open on a sad note today. Sorry to say that, but we are shocked and saddened by the death of Carrie Fisher just a few hours ago. We will never forget her as Princess Leia and as a talented, witty writer. Our thoughts and prayers go out to her mother, Debbie Reynolds, to her brother, Todd Fisher, and to the rest of her family, as well as her many, many, many fans and friends. May she rest in peace. But, as Carrie would say, the show must go on. So I will remind everyone that you don't have to be a movie addict to visit here. However, if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because four of our favorite critics are here to reveal their top ten films of 2016 and to let us know the films that disappointed them this year. We're so happy that Diana Sanger, James Gold Harrison, Richard Jack Smith, and A.J. Hockery have agreed to join us. Diana is um, the, uh, you can see that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not up to snuff here, still thinking about uh, Carrie. But uh, Diana is the founder of Classic Movie Guide, and she also operates Review Express and is entertainment editor for the San Diego East County Gazette. James, our favorite film historian, has served as premier critic for the La Jolla Village News and contributes reviews to various sites, including Review Express and Classic Movie Guide. Richard, author of Incidental Gold and a poet among critics, does film commentary for Real Talk Movie Reviews, and A.J. Hockery, the infamous Mad Movie Man, writes reviews for outlets like Real Talk Movie Reviews, yay, and his own popular movie blog, Cineslice, and that's capital C-I-N-E, capital S-L-I-C-E. Now we'll hear from all four of these noted film critics as soon as I welcome back to the show our producer extraordinaire, Nikki Starr. Nikki! Thank you for joining us today. I, I've been missing you so very much. Well, you know what? It's funny because I actually have Mondays off from work now, and so I always forget Tuesday is Tuesday. I always think it's Monday. However, I now have a recurring alarm in my clock or in my phone, so I'll never miss it again. Okay, I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> we—it's really not the same when uh, when you're gone. And I'm just so glad to, to have you back. All right, I do have uh, to say we're sorry about we're technical difficulties with the chat room, but Nikki is trying to get some help, uh, and um, so don't give up uh, people who are trying to chat and, and uh, keep listening to the show because it's, it's going to be uh, very fun and very enlightening, and our guests have been waiting patiently in the green room so let's bring them on now, and as always, uh, we'll begin with ladies first. Hi, Diana. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Well, I wouldn't miss it for anything. It's better than Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right about that, and, and we're, we're, I, I bet James feels the same way about it. James, welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters. Well, thank you, Betty Joe. It's fun to be here. I've been, it's been a while, but we're back and we're happy and we're going to laugh and giggle because that's all I yes, do. Yes, we are. Well, a lot of that. Uh, even the others here besides you, James, will will do that. <laughs> you're always uh, you always make it make it so much fun when when you're here, and we're also happy that Richard. Uh, stayed up, I think, later than usual over there in Wales so that he could be 
here on the show. Hi, Richard. Hi, Betty Jo. And are you ready to talk about your top ten films of 2016? It's been a good year. It's been a good year for films. I I, I didn't have very much uh, trouble uh, narrowing it down, though, to to my top uh, 20. It was then whittling it down to the top ten. But um, I'm just really, really eager to see which movies um, uh, all of you pick as the top ten. And uh, also, what AJ picks out for the top ten films of 2016. AJ, thank you for... uh, agreeing to be on our show today and for agreeing to stay during the whole show. Absolutely. Uh, glad to do it any time, and I do feel honored. Uh, thanks for the title of the infamous Mad Movie Man. I'm going to add that to my mantle. <laughs> well, you you certainly are uh, uh, someone that we always enjoy reading reading your reviews, and uh, we're, we're going to you're going to uh, entrance us, I think, because you're used to being first, I'm, I'm going to let you go first with your list of the top ten uh, movies of 2016. You're on, AJ. All righty. My uh, ten picks for the best movies of 2016, and I should kind of preface this by saying there's an awful lot that I uh, really haven't seen as far as, you know, the prominent awards contenders. I still haven't seen La La Land, uh, Manchester by the Sea, Fences, and a lot of those. So this is, uh, as always, kind of a temporary list because, like, even like three years from now, I could finally watch like a movie from 2016 and be like, "Oh, this was this was amazing." Put that on the list. So this is ever changing. But as of today, you know, uh, December 27th, uh, this is my top 10. Uh, I'm just kind of go over each one just a little bit briefly. Uh, number 10, my, uh, my 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 number 10 pick is John Carney's uh, Sing Street, uh, a film about a uh, youth who's a uh, just kind of gathering his mystic friends and uh, trying to find himself through uh, the power of, you know, song. And uh, it it does a lot of things differently than uh, coming-of-age movies uh, usually do. I thought it would fall into a lot of those very cliched trappings of, you know, person, like, lying about who they are. And, uh, you know, the the whole liar-revealed storyline, he has to be humiliated, and then he's easily forgiven for, you know, acting like a jerk. But this movie does none of that. It's very sweet. It shows the power of music and how it affects uh, people at such a young age. It's, it gets kind of a little bit uh, kind of corny, daringly corny at the end, but I think we need a little bit more of that nowadays. So, yeah, John Carney's uh, Sing Street, uh, that is my number 10 pick. My number 9 uh, selection is the uh, Coen Brothers' latest movie, Hail Caesar. Uh, I've oh. seen, you know, I've, I've seen every single Coen Brothers movie. They are my uh, favorite directors, and I haven't disliked the one yet. Yep, I even like The Lady Killers and uh, The Intolerable Cruelty, and this kind of continues their streak with a well, kind of a wild, uh, affection, affectionately uh, sati- uh, affectionate satire about, you know, old Hollywood and finding yourself, and it's got all these great uh, Cohen trappings in there with uh, the talk of, you know, politics and uh, religion and quirky characters where you have Josh Brolin as this producer at a studio and you're just trying, trying to wrangle in all of these uh, separate uh, moving parts that are going around, like a movie star played by George Clooney who gets kidnapped by communists, and you have uh, Scarlett Johansson as like a Esther Williams kind of singing uh, uh, musical star who gets pregnant and is trying to find purpose and meaning in his life throughout all the craziness. The Coen brothers, you know, just make it a really fun journey. So uh, Hail Caesar, my number nine pick. Uh, my number eight selection is uh, the return of uh, Shane Black to the uh, movies with the nice guys of uh, action comedy set in the 70s with uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling is mismatched private eyes who are just kind of at each other's throats. Uh, lots of great dialogue as per usual. You know, Shane Black, uh, famous screenwriter of action flicks from the 80s and 90s, Lethal Weapon, uh, Long Kiss, Goodnight, Last Boy Scout, you name it. Uh, I loved his directorial debut, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and then he went on to do uh, Iron Man 3, which is also pretty darn good. And uh, The Nice Guys was hilarious, it was violent, it was shocking, it was over the top, and I loved every single minute of it. So yeah, The Nice Guys, my number eight pick. Uh, For number seven, we have uh, one of the uh, best uh, horror movies of the year, and that is The Witch. 
which is said mm-hmm. in, you know, colonial times about this kind of uh, religious outcast family who uh, are, you know, like I said, they're uh, cast out from their village, kind of set up uh, home, a homestead near the woods. And there may or may not be a supernatural influence preying upon the family. Um, my kind of one big complaint about this is that it does ruin its ambiguity with an ending that's a little too uh, – it comes – like I said, it just kind of ruins that uh, – you, you never know what's really going on here by kind of giving it a definitive answer at the end. So that was really disappointing. But uh, the actors were all great in there. I'm going to be mentioning – uh, one of the actors uh, who gave a particularly great performance when we talk about our favorite performances of the year, but it was like intensely atmospheric. The actors uh, took on the kind of like old English style dialogue, just like just like a fish to water. They just made it fly and made something really spooky and fascinating. So The Witch, my number seven pick. Uh, my number six selection is a movie that I Finally saw last uh, week, I didn't want to miss this out uh, in the theaters, and that is Disney's Moana, uh, featuring fantastic music by Lin-Manuel Miranda, great voice work, an empowering story that uh, changes up a little bit of the Disney formula while still sticking to some of its trappings, so it's a little bit on the familiar side, but it's a cool progression in terms of... uh, of the uh, themes of like and like what uh, quote unquote what a Disney princess is uh, and just like godsmackingly um beautiful animation like the waters and the tropical setting is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, I saw Zootopia earlier this year and that was a pretty cool uh, Disney movie, a lot better than I was expecting. But Moana just kind of blows it out of the water. So Moana, my number six pick. And uh, halfway through the list now, at number five, we have Laika's latest animated feature, and that is Kubo and the Two Strings, a movie where, you know, like like I fell in love with this one uh, just about as much as I did with uh, Moana, uh, featuring great voice work, a cool fantasy setting, and uh, just a very, very touching story, you know, about uh, family and forgiveness and keeping those who you've lost uh, deep in your heart and uh, and it has, uh, has like a great score going on for it and a cover of uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps that plays over the end that is like you just kind of have to sit mm. there and uh, just enjoy it. Just let it wash over you. This is some of like the gre- greatest animation, most visually appealing uh, designs and environments of the year. I just absolutely fell in love with it. Kubo and the Two Strings, my number five pick. Uh, my number four pick is one that uh, maybe may strike some as a little bit silly, but I'm 100% serious on this one, and that is Shin Godzilla, the latest uh, Japanese Godzilla movie. Uh, the first one in about 12 years since uh, Godzilla Final Wars back in uh, 2004. This is a ground-up reboot of the Godzilla series, so this is uh, set in you know modern times, the first time like anyone in this world has ever seen Godzilla and it's a very uh, – it's a more timely movie than a lot of people, you know, might expect, you know, just as the first uh, Gojira was a metaphor for, you know, uh, atomic – the atomic bomb being dropped on uh, Japan. This is also kind of an allegory for how uh, how we react to present-day disasters and tragedies. So you have the, this one group that's, you know, like politicians trying to follow everything by the book and going through all this red tape. And then you have this kind of splinter group forming and social media is blowing up about sightings of this creature and no one knows quite know what to do. And uh, there's a whole uh, clashing of ideals there, which is just absolutely uh, fascinating. And uh, not and on top of that, on top of just having all these cool themes going on for it, it has just some good old classic monster carnage, you know, buildings being trampled, tanks being exploded, and a couple new tricks for Godzilla that I didn't see coming, and I'm not going to spoil for you. I just want you to see it for yourself no. and enjoy. So Shin Godzilla, my number four pick. Uh, my number three pick is uh, one of the most bizarre movies I've ever seen in my life uh, without hyperbole. This is probably maybe the most strange movie I've ever seen, and it's a documentary called Tickled. And I want to say as little about this as possible, except that uh, uh, it's about a journalist who starts off writing a story about a uh, you know weird sport about competitive endurance tickling, and it just kind of goes into this whole disturbing world, and eventually becomes this story about you know 
uh, about uh, power and those who hold it and those who abuse it and why they're into that sort of thing. And uh, just seek this out as much as you can. It's disturbing. It's hilarious. uh, Tickled. Absolutely fascinating beginning until end. Hmm. And then my number two pick is a thriller from earlier this year that hasn't left my head ever since, and that is 10 Cloverfield Lane. Again, just like The Witch, this kind of stumbles in the, in the ending uh, segments when it uh, tries to tie itself into uh, the 2008 Cloverfield movie in a way that it didn't really need. But up until then, it was a masterfully claustrophobic thriller. The cinematography was very taut and exciting. The uh, interactions between the actors, you know, you had Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman in there just delivering one of the creepiest performances of his career. Where, uh, and, and again, this is another movie that deals uh, very big in ambiguity. You know, has there been an attack outside that's, you know, caused, you know, kind of the world to go mad, and especially this one guy, or is he just some kind of crazy guy? And to see this kind of cat-and-mouse game play out is just absolutely gripping from beginning until end. So 10 Cloverfield Lane, that's my number two pick. And then my favorite film of the year, uh, owing to my kind of geeky side, I totally have to pick Captain America Civil War, one of uh, Marvel's most accomplished superhero movies to date. It it did so much and so well. It juggled all these different plot lines without feeling too overcrowded. It was introducing all these new characters that are going to be, you know, developed later on in their other movies. And you have a uh, main conflict between two people, uh, and who are you know have all these uh, warring philosophies going on, and you kind of understand both, and you uh, don't want either one to you know kind of pummel each other into hamburger. Like you want them to sit down and understand, but the conflict that fuels the story is just absolutely gripping until beginning until end. Great characters, great action, great story. Captain America: Civil War, my favorite movie of 2016. Wow, what an interesting list aj and very uh diverse and uh we have captain america 10 cloverfield lane tickled Shin godzilla kubo and the two strings moana the witch the nice guys hail caesar but you forgot to mention channing Ta- channing tatum's uh sailor <laughs> dance and sing street <laughs> what a list diana do you have any um of the same uh movies that AJ has on your top ten list. You're on now, Diana. <laughs> of course I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's why AJ is infamous. <laughs> I, I did want to mention two things, though. Um, I interviewed the um, um, animator of Moana, and he was very interesting. He's a 27-year Disney animator, uh, animator and um, his story about that whole movie was really, really great. And Hale Caesar, the cinematographer, um, it was his first film of doing cinematography. He's done tons of of theatrical stuff on Broadway and here at the Globe and stuff in in San Diego. But he was so excited with um, the guy you just mentioned about dancing that he did his own stuff. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even, the cinematographer wasn't even helping him. And so he was so pleased about that also that he spent eight years um, doing cinematography for a play, and this movie he was on there for three days, so he was happy. <laughs> Does he mean choreography? Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Did you so, mean choreography? But, yes, choreography. I said cinematography. But, but now you don't have either of those uh, on your list. What do you have on your list? Well, you know, I really, really, really love true stories, and there were a lot of them this year, so I was very happy mm-hmm. because, you know, we have a, world, a really wide world, and everyone has a story, and we'll never hear all of them, but to hear some of them that we didn't know about is just great. So I knew nothing about the war and um, from Hawksaw Ridge and the World War II film, <clears throat> and this true story about this man who was tortured by his father, growing up and decided to sign up for World War II. He was a um, he signed up as a medic because he wanted to be a conscientious objector. He was a um, Seventh-day Adventist. and But the time he got to boot camp, somehow the, med, the term medic was gone, and they just thought he was a regular soldier. And when he wouldn't hold a gun or say he was going to kill anyone, then he was beat up by his comrades. They, his uh, superiors tried to throw him out of the service, but his Dad, who was in World War One, showed up with, um, 
you know, constitutional stuff that says, no, he, he's allowed to be a conscience objector. And as the war went on, it was the one we lost the most soldiers of any in any war war. Um, he was this conscious objector, but he was the medic, and he was helping people as he could. And when the Japanese surrendered and <clears throat> they were ready to leave, they still had bodies everywhere. And he went back up this mountain climbing up a rope to check, and he saved 80, 75 people that had been left for dead, carried each one, one at wow. a time, over his shoulder down that rope. And uh, President Truman actually gave him the Medal of Honor, the only conscience objector to ever get that. And the the filming is amazing. Mel Gibson is a new person. I mean, he was so into this film with faith and just unbelievable. And Andrew Garfield was tremendous. And uh, he's getting a lot of... Um, Awards for Best Actor, and now he's also in the new movie Silence as a Jesuit priest, and he's wonderful in that one, too. Mm -hmm. Lion was one of my favorites. Um, Again, another true story about a young boy in India who went out with his older brother to help gather rocks for their mother that she could sell, and um, his brother ended up putting him on a little train to rest and sleep, which ended up taking off and going a 1,000 miles from his home. And the kid was wandering in the streets, and he was being, uh, you know, harassed by people who wanted to use him for bad things. And finally, went into an orphanage, and he was adopted by a couple in Australia, um, which was really, really a wonderful true story. And as a grown man, he was very happy and loved his family, but he wanted to know where his home was and and to find his mother. And so it's about that journey. Ben Hur. Um, I know everyone says you can never make Ben-Hur, but they did an amazing job, an amazing job, especially with those races. Those actors were six, seven, eight days, hours a day for two months and doing yeah. the um, <clears throat> the chariot stuff. And the director, um, Timor, I can't even say his name, Ben-Man Batuv, um, actually was had a lot to do with uh, race car racing. And when he was... Watching the race cars, he got some idea about how to do the the um, thing with the horses, and there was no um, no CGI in the movie. But it's just a wonderful story uh, about this whole journey of again um, faith and a lot of good actors in that. Also, Deepwater right. Rising, another true story. Um, you know, sometimes it's really hard to watch these. Um, ill-fated disasters when you you know people are dying and um, this this was just horrendous especially in the production it was so well done I mean it just blew you out of the seats it was so real my sister-in-law actually had to leave the theater because she was throwing up (laughs) (laughs) oh my huge major major production and you know it's about these guys and this um, drilling rig off of Louisiana that all of a sudden has an explosion and there's fires everywhere and and um, they're all in harm and they don't know if they'll get off the boat or not. And, um, again, I interviewed one of the survivors of that real-life situation and uh, how that story, how that experience changed his whole life, his real life, and that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Hidden Figures, another true story. Yes, um, a great one. You know, and I don't know how we don't know these things. How did we not know this story? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had never heard of it, and everybody that I've heard talked about this film, they say, we didn't know that either, that during that time, because it was World War II, 1949, most of our men were gone in the war. So NASA <clears throat> had a little uh, problem with getting, you know, the enough mathematicians and the engineers that they really needed to help them work out things, which was true because this was the first um, – uh, Apollo 11 launch that John Glenn was going to take, and it did have a lot of problems in the beginning. And, and these black women had been there, and they were brilliant. They had masters and all these different things, and so they brought them in to help. And one of them, Katherine Johnson, became this lead in the department where there were like 20 other male engineers. But she was so brilliant that finally um, Al Harrison, played by Kevin Costner, and John Glenn, would actually, when there was a problem, go directly to her instead of the other 27 engineers yeah. sitting there. So it was a beautiful way that they um, they were calm about what you know what they were doing, even though they you know still had the um, 
ethnic stuff on them. I mean, they had to go to the black women's bathroom three miles away almost from where they were working, but um, mm. they were just so great in, in their jobs and what they accomplished. It's really, really a great history story. Hell or High Water, which our San Diego film critics voted best film of the year. Of course, mm-hmm. my films and Jim's films are never what our group votes for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, I remember. But it, it was a good movie, it, it, and it had a lot of um, special things that made it that way. One of it was, it's kind of a Western and a, a, about two brothers that get back together, and they're robbing banks and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But the whole picture has a very calmness about it, and the cinematography actually is the one that tells the story because it focuses on all these really still shots, and you can just almost breathe what's happening, and that story just kind of, you know, fuels you into the energy mm-hmm. and the uh, mystery of what's going to be the outcome of this film. So that was done very well. Um, Miracles from Heaven, another true story. Very important story about a, a young little girl who um, ended up with this very strange abdominal pain, and it just kept, um, she was just crying all the time. And the uh, hospitals around where her family was uh, in Texas didn't have a, a thing for her. They didn't know, you know, what was wrong with her. In fact, one time when they had her in the ER, the doctor said she has a stomach ache, take her home. Well, um, Garner, what's her name? <laughs> Jennifer Garner plays the mother. Jennifer Garner, yeah. And I'm telling you, in that hospital scene, she is a mama bear, determining, demanding to see another doctor because she knows those diagnoses aren't true. And they end up seeing this specialist in New York, and they have to go on a plane like every two days back and forth from Texas. And um, the, all the actors are good. The children are good. And I think Jennifer deserves a nomination for Best Actress in that movie. Unbelievable. Me before you. Uh, I don't think it's a true story. Yay. <laughs> no. But it was very, very sweet. Um, you know, it, it's about um, a young man who becomes a paralegic and uh, he had a beautiful career, very famous before, and so now he's like in a chair and frozen. But they uh, get a carekeeper for him who's a wonderful girl that's, you know, just wants a job. Basically, her family's not too rich, and so she has to help them. And um, she, but she's funny. She's so funny, and she begins to um, change him. And his name's Will, and they fall in love. And um, it's a, it's a beautiful kind of sad love story. <laughs> Don't want to spoil mm-hmm. it, but worth seeing. Gleason was a documentary about the real Steve Gleason football player who came down with ALS. And the whole documentary is of him doing what he has to do, what he doesn't want to do for himself and his family and his wife and his kids. And just watching it is is very hard, but you have to see through his determination. And it's just so heroic how much he brings that story to life and proves that, you know, even with the worst um, diagnose you can overcome it sometimes just from mm-hmm. your actions and your your uh, will and that's what he did and my last one is one you probably forgot got about right now it's called race it's the true story of jesse owens the gold winner olympic in the 1936 berlin olympics yeah and um of course him being a native american african-american he you know, wasn't quite welcome, just open the door and let in, but he had to um, work his way in, and, and he did finally get in there and, of course, became phenomenal. But while they were in Germany, he had a lot of things to deal with because there was still some race problems over there, and there was a, one time when one of the officials actually said that he couldn't even participate, and he had already been around doing some of the things already, but he got mm. through it. and. Very well done by Canadian-born um, James James something. I can't remember his last name. But uh, he did a great part, and so that is my ten. What a fascinating list, Diana. And uh, I really see that you have 
the feeling for the true stories and the stories that are based on on uh, faith and and challenge and and courage. And your uh, list is Hacksaw Ridge, Lion, Ben Hur, Deepwater Horizon, Hidden Figures, Hell or High Water, Miracles from Heaven, Me Before You, Gleason, and Race. Now I wonder if James has any similar. Um, films on his top ten. So, James, you're on now. Oh, well, everybody has said everything, so I'm going home. No, no. no Bye. Not everything. <laughs> not everything. <laughs> We've got three three more people. <laughs> go that, that would have to go home if you go home. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, what is what uh, is your list? Well, let me tell you one picture that I don't have on my list, which I sort of forgot, and uh, but I want to mention it, and that is uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea. Although it's a sad movie, it's uh, it's kind of uplifting as well, and and the acting in it is superb, and Michelle Williams does a tremendous job, and Casey Affleck. But I just wanted to mention that because I did not put that on my list. You can't put everything on your list. But Okay, I have uh, 20th Century Women with uh, Annette Benning giving a superb performance of a woman who's uh, out in left field. She's sort of uh, in a boat with one oar trying to raise her teenage son, and she doesn't quite understand the changes that are going on uh, in, uh, I think it t- takes place in 1979 in Santa Monica. And uh, she's trying to raise her son with the help of two other women, uh, Greta Gerwig and Elle Fanning, who are, both give uh, great performances. And then I put, uh, and I know that Diana hates Woody Allen, but I put Woody Allen's Cafe Society because I thought it was an interesting movie, and it's all about Hollywood, and that, of course, is one of my favorites. I love Hollywood and everything that goes on with it, and it, it's a great story about a young man who's torn between staying in Hollywood and going back to New York on his own and not uh, taking advantage of his uncle's position at the studio. And uh, the the uh, art direction is wonderful, and the costume designs are are absolutely beautiful. Um, then I have Doctor Strange on here, and and it might be an odd movie to pick, but uh, it it had some of the best production design I've ever seen in my life. It, uh, the special effects were mind blowing, and of course uh, the architecture in the film was an interesting thing to see and as it transforms and goes I can't explain it. it's like a kaleidoscope and the the sets all fold in on each other and it's really <laughs> amazing. I I put Diana's favorite film on here, Hacksaw Ridge, because uh having been in the military I understood what these guys were going through. Uh not I wasn't ever in a war, but I mean uh the training and everything that they went through to get through the war, and uh, Andrew uh, Andrew's part was uh, about a real man who was a real hero, and it makes you makes your heart just sing to know that there are men who will save other people and put their own lives in danger. I also mm-hmm. put uh, Sully on my list. Uh, at first, you think, well, what are they going to do with the story? You know, a plane crashes in the water, and what else can you do? You know, that would be the exciting part. Well, yeah, they did that. But then uh, the rest of the movie uh, went in the background of everything that happened to Sully and the investigation that went on, and it it made it more of a fascinating story. And uh, Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks was marvelous with his, White wig, I guess it was he was wearing, but he looked good in it. Yes, <laughs> he looked very good at it, and uh, that, it was a fun movie. But uh, well, not fun, but I mean, it was uh, interesting to see what went on when the plane crashed. My other favorite movie was Lion, and I loved the little boy in in the first part who played the the boy who got lost. He was a marvelous little boy. Great big eyes that look like black olives. 
and he was so cute. You just want to adopt him. And then as yes. he grows up, he becomes uh, Dev Patel, who in in his own right is a handsome young man and, and a marvelous actor. And also mm-hmm. seeing um, Nicole Kidman in a part that you wouldn't normally see her in, and that is as a mother of a grown man. And mm-hmm. so she 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 went off uh, a, a little bit uh, on what she usually plays, and she was wonderful. The other movie I loved was Jackie with uh, Natalie Portman playing Jacqueline Kennedy. I thought she hit her right on the button because I remember seeing Jackie on television and talking in her little girl voice, almost like Marilyn Monroe. And, and uh, Natalie Portman did a superb job in that, and it was uh, it reminded everybody of what went on during those terrible times. Moonlight was another favorite of mine. Uh, it's an all-black cast, and uh, it's all wonderful actors. Uh, some of them I had never seen before, and I thought they were marvelous, like uh, Naomi Harris, who mm-hmm. played a drug, drug-addicted mother. She was marvelous. And Mayor Shelley Ali, who was played the man. And it's a touching, touching story of a boy growing up gay, but in a time and a place where it wasn't accepted, and so he had a very difficult time. And I said in my review, the ending is so touching that if you don't cry, you don't have a heart. It was a marvelous oh, movie, and it, right. it should be it should be one of the award winners this year at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. A movie that I absolutely fell in love with was Hell and High Water. It was. A Western, but a modern Western taking place in today. And the people in it were Ben Foster, who plays the crazed brother. He he always does crazy people very well. I wonder if he doesn't need some help himself. And Chris <laughs> Pine, Chris Pine, a graduate of my alma mater, Berkeley. He went to uh, drama school at Berkeley. He's marvelous in it. And, of course, uh Jeff Bridges plays the old sheriff who's about to retire, but he's got one more case he needs to solve, and he's so clever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just one step behind the boys who are doing all this robbing. He knows something that's going on, but yet he can't put his finger on it until you find out in the end what happens. We can't tell you what happens in the end, but no. it's a marvelous, marvelous movie. And I saved the best for last. The greatest movie made this year, the best, most pleasing, is La La Land. Yay! Um, Yay! (laughs) Um, A a long time coming musical. I think they worked worked trying to get it made for about seven years. And uh, uh, the director, Damien Chazelle, is only 31 years old. Amazing. And and I've seen... I haven't met him, but I've seen photos of him, and he looks like he's 12. And I'm just marveling at the things that these young people can turn out today and and be so marvelous. This picture is uplifting. It's sad. It's happy. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. You want to go dancing down the aisles like Gene Kelly. (laughs) Unfortunately, I have the music. And the The music. The music. And the music. so haunting. Well, James, I am so happy with your list. I, I I love it, especially since you have La La Land as number one, and then you have Hell or High Water, Moonlight, Jackie, Lion, Sully, Hackshaw Ridge, Doctor Strange, Cafe Society, and 20th Century Women. And my goodness, Richard has been waiting so patiently way over there in Wales. Richard, what are the... Top ten. What are the top ten films from uh, from Wales over there for 2016? Right. Uh, AJ knows. Uh, this is probably my favourite Russell Crowe from the last ten years. Instantly, so funny. Number nine, ten clever. AJ's list. Uh, really. Strong performances. Uh, number eight. Now this down quite as uh, in general. 
I thought it was magical. BFG, Steven Spielberg's adaptation of Roald Dahl's story. Uh, very good music by John Williams and that. Number six, James had that in his list. That was one of my Number six, uh, one of the other lists in the review in contention. We, origin of not every. I thought that Flanagan's film, you know, it, it really pushed what horror films do as a lot are prone to copy what has gone before and it's really looking ahead. And bleed for this, uh, boxing movie, uh, with great Cinderella, Rocky, so on. Number four, and Jeremy, this one, and that's that's uh, that's uh, always a plus. Uh, definitely not experience in the cinema. Number three, The Shallows with Blake Lively, uh, directed by Jean. Neither dumb, in my opinion, and I thought it stood up really well. Even next, George. Uh, and its immediate sequel, Jaws 2. Number two, Don't Breathe. Stephen, one of my favorites of the last, in a terrific performance, would be my uh, Doesn't look like he's going to get anything. It's very, very quiet buzz for that film in any respect. It's not just him. A lot of talented people behind him. My number relatively late nerve with Emma Roberts and Dave Franco <coughs> sorry excuse me Dave Franco uh, a game where people play dead and you through thought was quite innovative brought a lot of the and did it with a certain panache say that was my top ten. Wow, I think you you are a lot like uh, AJ Richard in uh, liking the uh, the thrillers or the hor- horror movies, and and your list also does include uh, diverse uh, genres. But you've got Nerve, Don't Breathe, The Shallows, Arrival, Bleed for This, Ouija. Now, Origin of Evil, the BFG, Cloverfield Lane, and the Nice Guys. I I really am, I have a lot of movies that I've got to see. I've I've seen a lot of them, but wow, I there are many of the of the movies that you all have mentioned that I that I haven't seen. So I'm taking note of that. I'm just going to go through mine because the time is going by. We did extend for 60 minutes, so. We have uh, some time left, but my first two uh, movies, uh, you all know what they're going to be, musicals, La La Land <laughs> and Trolls, and I feel that those two movies were made especially for me because of the music <laughs> and the singing and the dancing. I'm just so grateful to everyone involved with those films. Hello, my name is Doris. We've talked about that movie uh, in several shows previously, so I'm not going to explain except to say that Sally Field was her at her best, best performance ever, and I loved it. The Jungle Book, Hidden Figures. Oh, thank you, Diana, for putting that on your list, mo- the most important film of the year, I think. Um, Nocturnal, a- Nocturnal Animals, very, very disturbing movie. I uh, the more you would uh, say about it, the more that would spoil your viewing. So I'm not going to say much except that it had wonderful performances and the cinematography was great. Kubo and the Two Strings, we all were already heard from AJ about that. 28th Century Women, we've heard about that from uh, James. And then uh, my last two, Forsaken, talk about a western. That is one of my favorite westerns now. If you, it didn't have much of a release, but if you get a chance, dear listeners, 
to see Forsaken. It might be on uh, Netflix or being shown on TV or available by on DVD. It's a fabulous Western starring Donald Sutherland and Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland as um, as father and son. And my last one is De Palma, which is a um, documentary. And what a treat to see Brian De Palma talk about his philosophy of filmmaking and then see clips from some of his great uh, films like uh, The Untouchables and even uh, Snake Eyes. So those are our films um, that we recommend. It looks like we only have ten films that have two mentions. Otherwise, we're all over the place. We have... La La Land, we have Kubo and the Two Strings, we have Hidden Figures, we have Hill, Hell or High Water, Me Before You, uh, Hidden Figures, Lion, 20th Century Women, The Nice Guys, and Cloverfield. <laughs> and then we got a we got a horror movie in <laughs> Cloverfield Ooh. Lane. Yeah, believe it or not. Now we need to go to the other extreme. What movies have disappointed you the most during this uh, past year? AJ, uh, give us uh, you know two or three, if you can think of off the top of your head that disappointed you the much, most. Uh, uh, well, the first one that came to mind when I thought of movies that really let me down this year was uh, one of the big uh, superhero movies this year. Not the one you might be thinking of, uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, I'm a big fan of the X-Men uh, series. I loved the cartoon as a kid on Fox. It's still one of the greatest like superhero uh, shows of all time, as far as I'm concerned. I read the comics, and then when the movie started coming out, uh, I dutifully went to every single one, and I still even kind of like X-Men The Last Stand. It gets a bad rap. Uh, these days, but I still get a kick out of it. Uh, I was really excited when they moved on to X-Men First Class. I was really impressed, and I really liked uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, but this follow-up was just like, there was just so much wrong with uh, this movie. You had Oscar Isaac, this incredibly, you know, handsome, charismatic actor, just buried under this unrecognizable under, like, this really terrible makeup job that just made one of the biggest, baddest villains of the in the whole X-Men series just just look like a joke. I think somewhere, uh, someone on Twitter like put it best where he's like, he's just stomping around like a Power Rangers villain. Like, he just looks cheap. And his uh, <laughs> acting talent just really wasn't used that well. So, uh, yeah. I think that, <laughs> I, think, uh, I, want, I want to know what, uh, what you really think of that. I, uh, Diana, yeah. do you have a, a movie that you were I disappointed with? It's Nikki. Oh, Nikki something. is on. Nikki, I, we said that oh, Nikki could, oh, I, could I, chime I in. Nikki. Nikki. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Guess what my number one movie of 2016 was, AJ? Ah! Yeah, it's a BFG. X-Men. X- <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't like it better oh. than Rogue One. Okay, well, I thank you, Nikki. I, I was hoping that you would chime in on that. <laughs> I wonder if Diana has a disappointed movie. Dis- a movie that she was most disappointed in. Diana? I was not liking Nocturnal Animals. <laughs> First of all, that opening scene of those fat women yeah. flinging their bodies around, that just ended and go and went nowhere. And then it ended up being like three separate stories, three separate plots that just didn't meld together. I mean, She's meeting her ex-husband, and then he sends her a book, and she's on the couch reading the book, and I'm trying to decide, because now we're seeing a film. Are we seeing that as the movie with, you know, uh, Hall, or is she just reading and we're seeing what she's thinking? So that was very confusing for me. And finally, when I got home, I actually uh, sent a note to one of the PR people, and she said, no, it's her reading the book. And I go, okay, yeah. well, then it's stupid, because... Then there's this whole other story of him and the kidnapping and the kids and everything. And then there's a story of the husband who is unfaithful to her. And I went, this is like sewing up a potato bag. I mean, geez. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'll have to rethink. I'll have to rethink uh, nocturnal animals, I guess. And James, how about you? Do you have a, a movie that most disappointed you? This year. Well, yeah, it was uh, the girl on the train. Um, I had not read 
the book, and there was so much talk about how terrific the book was and how you couldn't put it down and you read it in 20 minutes. And, you know, everybody was talking about this terrific uh, story. And then I see the movie, and I thought it was more or less kind of nothing. I, I didn't think it was much of anything. So that was a big disappointment for me. And uh, was Fifty Shades of Grey this past year, or was that... That was last year. The year before. We'll add it every year for you. Yeah, we should add it. It's a horrible And I would agree with the. Go go ahead. Uh, Richard, yep, yep. My biggest disappointment, this surprise, said that it was really good. And. I didn't like I with Helen and I found it I like to think of testing it or oh, they oh no no sorry I am the big disappointment you know excuse me Richard I'm missing um, I, I don't know uh, Nikki uh, are you having trouble hearing uh, Richard? Well, now I can't. I can't hear. I am Richard. Betty Joe. This is Jim. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I hear every other word. Yeah, it every out. other word. Okay, um, Richard, could you say over again the movie that disappointed you? I. Everybody hear that? We couldn't hear th- hear that. I'm I'm so sorry about the connection. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Huh? <laughs> no, we get we we'll it's work all disjointed. On, yeah, yeah oh. we we'll work on the work on something out on that, uh, Richard, and and get get back to oh, you no. on it. I'm I'm really really sorry about the connection. We've never had that before, over uh, you know when you're on the show. But there's something with the uh, with the connection that that isn't uh, isn't working out, and uh, the time is flying by. So we do have just a, a couple of minutes here for you to pick the best per, best performance of the year. And uh, AJ, only just just to have a name and the and the movie of the best performance of the year. I gotta go with uh, one that surprised me: John Goodman, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Okay, John Goodman and Diana, best performance of the year. Andrew Garfield in Hawksaw Ridge. All right, and James, best performance of the year. Chris Pine in Hell in the High Water. Okay, and and uh, Richard, we we can't. Uh, we can't hear you, so I hope you'll send me that by email, and I'll report it on our next next show. And I would have to pick uh, for my most uh, disappointing movie, uh, Sausage Party, because it uh, <laughs> I think it goes it ranks uh, in the top five of worst movies ever made. And uh, I don't know what they were thinking with that animated movie. But the best performance of the year is, to me, the best performance of the year. I I can't decide between, uh, well, Sally Field and Ryan Gosling for uh, his wonderful work in La La Land. I, I didn't know that he could sing and dance, and that surprised me, and I was so happy that he did as well as he he did. I am so uh, sorry that we don't have much more time, but we did bite off a lot of uh, a lot of areas to to chew on here. And I want to thank you so much, uh, all all of you. There are so many wonderful movies out there, and uh, I hope this helped our listeners to uh, pick some that they haven't seen yet, and that they will that they will go go to see. So, sorry that our time is almost up, and uh, besides thanking our wonderful guests today, I want to give a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, as well as to our listeners, and special thanks to Nikki Starr for being back and for all her help. 
and to Nancy Lombardo, George Bettinger, Angela Drake Perry, and the Wacko Network hosts for their enthusiastic support for our show on their wonderful radio shows. Nancy is the hilarious host of Comedy Concepts right here on BTR every Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. George hosts the very entertaining Mom and Pop Shop show on TuneIn Radio from Miramar, Florida, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The Wackle Network offers something for everyone in its diverse programs, now uh, airing every day on Mixler, that's M-I-X-L-R, and Angela is a popular new host at Fallen Angel Productions. Well, folks, I hope you will come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. But in the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. And if you haven't already ordered my new book, Cinema Stanzas, Rhyming About Movies, you can purchase this Kindle ebook for only $3.99 on Amazon.com. Thanks to so many of you who have purchased the book and commented on it. I really appreciate it. That's all for now, folks. I hope everyone has a very happy new year. Let's close our last episode of 2016 with my favorite rendition of Hooray for Hollywood. Oh, <laughs>